0: Have you ever considered turning your corporate experience and skills into a business? That's exactly what our savvy panelists have done, and they're here today to share their experiences and challenges. I'll bet many would never have considered doing what these savvy women did, but they may give you some ideas of your own. Make sure you stick around until the end when we discuss some unique challenges, as well as other opportunities you might have that you never actually thought of. So let's dive right in. What are the key skills or experiences from your corporate career that were valuable in starting or running your business? And I'll tell you that for me, it was the knowledge that I had gained on that job, obviously, and my contacts, one of whom is with us today, Lynn Lawson. But Kelly, I didn't know you back then, so what about you?
1: You know, I grew up with uh, my dad who worked in the financial industry, and one of the key skills that I think I took from corporate America is the thank you note and the follow up. And um, my dad and his mother also used to send newspaper articles, hard copies in the mail to someone. And so I send a lot of like, hey, saw that you posted this, or this might be of interest to you. And I just think that camaraderie and community that you have to have in corporate world Mm -hmm. is so important in our world, because there's so many providers out there, you want to work with people that you know, like and trust. Right, right, right. Especially today.
2: What did you about you, Marie? You feel
1: a little different.
2: uh... Yeah, yeah. So, right. So, my business is helping other businesses capture their processes. And in all my years of working in the corporate world, I would say it was the practice I got in doing just that. So, the practice of meeting with people in all different areas of the business in different businesses, and interviewing them and finding out the details of their work and their processes. And just hundreds of hours of that kind of practice is what it has allowed me to do what I'm doing today.
3: All right. That's great. Lynn? Yeah, like you, Mary, or even, you know, Marie, You know, based on what you've said, I, I totally agree from the standpoint. Um, I took the knowledge gained, as well as the contacts that I had met over the years. And you know, I'm talking about the business to business payments arena now, accounts payable, and, and even you know some procurement um, uh, experience in there. And you know, th- having had done the job has almost lent um, some great credibility when I'm trying to tell other businesses how to do what I did. And, and so that was a great help. But you know, on a kind of different note, um, in the corporate world, I had worked very closely with um, a great writer, a great proofer, editor person, And I can't thank her enough because all the work she did with me when I was writing on the job has turned me into a better writer, which has helped me in in my current business. So um, it's those relationships, not even the core business, but who else you had worked with.
0: Right, right.
4: So Beth, you come to this from a little different angle? Always. No, just kidding. Um, No, Lynn, similar, uh, similarly, you know, in terms, actually a little bit similar to all of you, in terms of what you take with you, right? And and the relationships and the whys. And um, I had worked for a couple of startups and mm-hmm. I was in a place where I was wearing all the hats and, you know, the Jane of all trades, I guess you could say. And that was really great sort of, foray into what it's like to be a business owner, at least in the beginning, right? When you are wearing all the hats and you are doing all the things. Um, But I think that what has had the biggest effect on my current business is that I realized what kind of boss I wanted to be and didn't want to be, you know, and it's like, it's like a lot of us do when we have children, right? We either want to emulate or we want to be completely different. Um, than how our parents did it, and and I think that you know I had a really solid, clear um, idea of what it would look like to have staff. And now that I've got thirteen of them, um, I think I've successfully built a place that I myself would have wanted to work for. And that's I think one of the biggest things that I took.
0: So that's pretty interesting that you successfully built a place that you would want to work for. I have to remember that because I think that's impressive. Okay. So having said that, what was the biggest challenge you faced when starting your own business and how did you overcome it? And for me, because I always worked and worked most of my life in corporate, it was always having a support staff. Uh, to do all the things like the technology didn't work so good at the beginning of this, which is why I'm now sitting in a bedroom um, and uh, having to do it myself. So for me, that was a big challenge, having to get used to that. How about you, Kelly?
1: I loved being an employee and getting a paycheck every two weeks or once a month. And um, the feast or famine, eat what you kill, is really difficult. However, I have turned that around to when I do get a paycheck, I'm a much more appreciative and I'm much more thoughtful about where the money goes. Um, so I bought a car at my last corporate job and I disliked it because I said it was clown money and I could just buy whatever kind of car I wanted to buy. And if I did it now, I would be much more thoughtful. So that's the hardest thing for me is that feast or famine. Marie? <laughs> yeah.
2: I can relate to that, Kelly. I can really relate to that. Yeah. Uh, For me, I think it was a lack of role models. So not many people do what I do in my business. And I didn't, there wasn't, there were other business owners I could talk to about how to run a business, because that is a pretty steep learning curve of starting a business and learning how to run it. But I met very few people that do what I do. And so I kind of had to figure that out on my own. I did a lot of trial and and Eventually, I figured it out. But I think uh, if I had had a role model, it would have made a big difference.
3: Yeah, you know, Marie, it's funny you mentioned that because I totally agree. But then I had the good fortune of having a mentor. You know, I was just trying to figure out what do you do first? You know, what are the tasks related to setting up a business? And I had some friends who had recently done it. And truly, they were just a blessing to have because they just walked me through it. They said, you need to do A, B, C, D. I had my checklist, you know, that I could just follow along. And, you know, it it proved to be just a script for me. So um, it was still a challenge, though, not knowing where to turn and and where to put your efforts first. Uh, But but having
4: that mentor is really a big deal. So I was glad of that. Oh, my gosh, Lynn, I totally feel you. I had a mentor, but I didn't find her. Until a couple years in. And it, what's, what's actually hilarious is I tried getting, a, I, I was struggling getting the business going. And she was, she owned a tax and bookkeeping firm and she was looking to hire. And I tried, she was a friend of my now husband. And um, I tried to get hired and she wouldn't hire me. <laughs> she said, uh, I was like, why? Like we got along so well. I thought this went great. And she said, no, because you're just going to leave me she said, I'm going to, you have the entrepreneurial spirit. Like you are great at what you do and you're going to be a business owner. So I'm not going to waste my time and hire you, but instead I'll be here by your side. Um, and she has been, she was even in my wedding a couple months ago. <laughs> so now you know, I don't know how one goes about finding a mentor. I, for me, it just happened. I don't know about you Lynn, but, um, you know, it is, it's so so important. And I think for me, like the biggest challenge was imposter syndrome and how that relates, well, to everything, but also how it relates to um pricing for your value.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Like I don't know one person who has started a business and priced for their value from the start. Right. People pushing and mentors pushing and, and everyone going, No, 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 come on. Come on, you can you can charge your worth. You don't you right. don't have to. You know you're not a fake at this.
0: It's rare that you lose a job because you're charging too much, but if you don't charge enough, people say, "Well, how could it be?"
4: Well, and at the beginning too, you have this pride over, "Oh, I have this huge conversion rate. Like ninety nine point nine percent of the people I talk to sign on." But then there's that whole idea of, "Well, if no one's saying no, then you're not charging enough."
0: Okay, That's true. So- I'm curious. Um, and why don't we go the other way? And Beth, we're going to put you on the, on the spot first. Um,
4: was technology essential for starting and running your business? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, I have a bookkeeping business, of course, and I'm a huge tech nerd. Um, so, you know, give me the latest chat GPT prompt and I'm in. Um, but, you know, when I started my business, it was still in the days of desktop was the hero uh, QuickBooks desktop. And, um, you know, things like right networks were like kind of there, but it was mostly dialing in on a VPN and, um, if you wanted to be remote and from, from the start, I knew I wanted it to be remote. So that was, you know, when, when QuickBooks online finally started becoming worthwhile, I don't know if we all remember that sort of moment in time where we were like, whoa, it doesn't stink that bad. Um, and now we actually love it. So well some of us do i don't know about everybody but, um, it's good enough yeah yeah i mean it's as good as it's gonna get um but i wouldn't be able to do what i do without tech i have clients all over the country my um, staff all over the country we're fully remote i haven't met some of my staff that have been with me for a couple of years we try and do a retreat every year but not everyone can make it so it's like i need I need that tech just for communication and doing our job. Never mind all the fun stuff for making it faster and easier and more efficient.
3: What about you, Lynn? Yeah, in, in a little bit of a, a different take on, on what Beth has experienced. I mean, I just knew that I needed to have a website. You know, so that was like, okay, got to get that built. And again, this is where uh, my friends who had had done it just recently were of such great help. And, and so basically got that up and going and thought, great. Okay. Now I learned all about websites and and how to update those. But then I had numerous people just remind me that, Hey, you know, um, related to technology, you want to make sure you have a a business email, you know, don't just use your Gmail. Um, You want to have a business email. I was told that was very important. Uh, So, you know, definitely had to do that. And I think even given that I do a lot of training, Um, I was taking classes on uh, PowerPoint presentations and and how to make them, you know, better and take them to the next level. So um, all of that just figured into what I do with the training, with the communications, education. And so uh, technology absolutely played a role, but very different from what Beth had described. Does Does
0: it impact you, Marie?
2: Well, yeah, it was. this is a good question. I think techn- I'm a technology minimalist, right? Mm-hmm. I'm all about process, but I'm a technology minimalist. So I have to have my laptop. Obviously we have, we have to have computers. But when I started my business, I met with every client in person. So I had to have my laptop. And then of course there's certain admin software that makes running a business easier, like scheduling software and bookkeeping software and that type of thing. Post pandemic, everything is, all my client meetings are remote it works actually better. And so I am very reliant, I use Zoom, but I'm very reliant on that particular software. If that technology went away tomorrow, I would be
1: in big trouble.
4: What about you,
2: Kelly?
1: Yeah, so technology is incredibly important for a lot of different things. I do, you know, online courses, um, but I do a lot of open source intelligence. Um, You know, social media is huge for my work. So I, I, and you know, I'm not say I'm a luddite. I'm not also advanced. I'm kind of in between there. But um, it's it's really important. And also, like, if I'm going to do an investigation, it's going to be boots on the ground, and I need to have the technology right. with me. So, right. Yeah. Technology. I, I wouldn't do this job if I didn't have a computer. I just it right. wouldn't not be fun. Right.
0: All righty. So we're all in different businesses here. Uh, maybe you could each tell us a little bit about the specific niche um, that you serve, because I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, we have similar backgrounds, but then we're, we're all, I think, in different different parts of the woods. So, Kelly, you want to start?
1: So, I am the pink collar crime expert, as most people know me. Um, I'm a certified fraud examiner and private investigator. I started my career in finance. We had a hinky client. He got arrested. I became a special agent for U.S. Customs fast forward many years. Um, I primarily speak and train about embezzlement and ethics. Um, I don't do investigations like I used to. Um, there's reasons for that. Um, but, uh, part of it is the whack-a-mole when you're doing an investigation, you're just one person, you know, gone, whatever. If I can teach and train people what to look for in a larger group, I'm getting the message out. I was recently in, where was I, South Dakota, North Dakota? Oh my God, one of the Dakotas, I can't even remember. And um, they, like, <laughs> to be able to spread that message because they were from all over the state, to be able to spread that message all over the state is so much more important, I think, than me going and doing investigation, fly in, fly out and leave. So I really love doing um, webinars. Uh, in-person classes and training, because I want people to kind of stop and think before maybe they cross the line, because I think everyone does have a price. So that's the the 30-second version. How about you, Marie?
2: Yeah, great. Yeah, so my clients who I serve are service and product-based businesses, nonprofits, and academic institutions, and all of those organizations. They hire me for primarily two reasons. They're trying to grow, they're trying to scale, and they're having trouble doing it. Or a key employee that's been there for many years just gives notice, and they're in an absolute panic because they have relied on that employee. The employee has been fantastic. They come to work every day. They have gained all this knowledge and expertise over the years, and they're about to leave. And in two or three weeks, they'll be out the door. And so much of their knowledge and expertise is going to go out the door with them and then the organization is going to have to reinvent the wheel and it is very painful. So and so what they do is they call me in and the key problem in both these cases is they don't have clear processes, they don't have efficient processes and they don't have these written down. So that that's the underlying piece to to both of those issues. So they call me in and then we talk about like well what state are your processes in and we begin documenting them clarifying them organizing them and along the way it's just there's this natural efficiency the process has become more and more efficient because when it's written down they're much more aware of what they're actually doing and it's very ironic but you start off like businesses very small maybe you're the only person and then you grow and you have employees and you actually lose track of what is actually happening in terms of work the day-to-day work so when you capture your processes then you get that you get that knowledge back, you get the insight back, no matter what level you are at, and then people can share the information, people can go on vacation, and the world doesn't end because other people know what to do. So that's what so, I do. Yeah, I
0: like to say that if, you, um, if your team uh, took in and bought a lottery ticket, and they won, and they all quit, you, right. you have the documentation, and most people don't.
2: They don't. And most people, even if they've been there 10, 15 years, I mean, they give two weeks notice. And by the time I've signed on, we've got six days and that's it to capture 10 years of knowledge. Right. So the people who hire me are the ones that the organizations, they already understand that good process is important. They just don't have the time or the expertise to capture it themselves. So they are willing now
1: to hire me to help them do that. It's unfortunate that it has to get to that point. Yes. So, Can I give a big shout out right now to Marie? Because Marie and I met through a different group, and when I heard what she did, it was like, ah! (laughs) you know, um, because if I come in and there's an investigation and there's potential fraud, it's just like, what are the processes? What are the procedures? What does this person do? Also, due diligence. If you're selling your business, this is huge. If you are selling your business and you have processes and procedures, there may not be a lawsuit that, um, oh, oops, you didn't know so-and-so was stealing from you. So I just felt like so lucky when I met Marie because I used to work at a pension fund and I had a hit by the bus book. It was like, if I get hit by a bus or COVID or whatever it is, they could go to my desk and they could see everything I was responsible for. And I think everyone should have that. It's it's proactive, so you don't have to be reactive. So it's well, a huge shout life out.
4: too. Like, yeah. not just in your business life, but in your personal life. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs a Marie. Everyone. <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, thank you.
4: All right,
3: Lynn. Well, I fully support Marie's platform here. I mean, I'm, I'm one that I think takes your message, Marie, and, and puts it out there as well, both business and professional. Or um, personally, uh, you know, document everything I do, you know, hit by a bus scenario. So uh, I agree with with both what you've both been saying. Um, So I, though, as I've indicated, um, have been in the business to business payments industry for more than 20 years, uh, specifically working with commercial cards, like purchasing cards, P cards, travel cards, virtual cards, you name it. And Mary, I think we first met probably 20 years ago. It's like, it sounds so long ago, but I think that was ago. the case. Yes. <laughs> and, and so when I started Recharged Education, um, my whole goal, um, Kelly, similar to you, is providing that education okay. you know, and, and, and trying to guide um, end user organizations that have card programs or are looking for um, help with their broader payment strategies just um, figure out you know which directions to go. you know I'll do risk assessments, I'll do auditing, I'll help them um, figure out what their policies and procedures need. And then I'll have to pass on Marie your contact info if they need you know more help. Uh, but you know you name it and then even the providers, the banks, you know that issue cards or the fintechs um, that have technology solutions um, in the B2B space for payments, I have trained um, their staffs because they don't know what it's like. To live the life of their clients, and because I used to manage a card program uh, for the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, then I've been able to take that knowledge and and, and help out um, you know these providers as well. So I'm all about education. I think we all have a, a, that near and dear to us here. So
4: mm-hmm. I'll turn it over to Beth. Then, oh, niche, such a fun word. Um, so I've got because apparently I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I've got. Right, I've got a few things going on now. So I've got a few sort of places that I serve. Um, I've got the you know bookkeeping business, and we serve small to mid-sized clients um, for their bookkeeping needs, um, usually up to about ten mil uh, in gross revenue. Um, and I've always made it a focus. Not always. I'm totally lying. <laughs> it took me a few years. And now I always make it a focus to choose good people as clients. Um, Again, back when you start your business, you kind of take anybody and everybody. Right. And, and then you get to a point where you're like, mm, I don't want to work with anybody and everybody. I don't want to work with that, you know, dude that's going to yell at me and treat me like his 1940s secretary. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's not our person so we really look to work with kind people um fun people and people who really care about their business they're not just looking for data entry bookkeeping so that they can file their taxes right. um but i'm also working i'm doing a couple other things too now I'm, I'm working with other um bookkeepers and coaching them um in their business ventures so other bookkeeping business owners um and also, I am in the middle of starting a whole new thing with that mentor, Lynn, um, where we are going to teach people to become bookkeepers. Oh. Um, because there's really, there's not much out there, right? Other than learning on the job, if you got the, you know, luckily maybe you got a, a, an entry level position at a larger company and then you got to learn and grow and grow. Um, but we want to be able to say, hey, you just graduated from accounting school or your kids just went back to school and you're a numbers person. Like, let's teach you how, let's le- teach you the theory and let's teach you the technical skills. So I've got a, I've got a whole bunch, bunch of things out there.
0: So we do, you know, we, our focus is accounts payable and payments. We provide uh, hopefully the most current content uh, to the business community um, at AP Now um, on that level. Let's now talk about marketing and networking strategies. And I know for many people, um, myself included, I'll put myself at the top of the list, um, that's probably uh, my my weak point. And I I know I, uh, we here at APNOW, we rely mainly on email, uh, a lot of email. We have an email newsletter. Um, And although I didn't realize that this was a good marketing uh, approach and I do it all the time, I found that public speaking helps. There's uh, a lot of times when you speak in public, you'll, you'll give people afterwards um, opportunities. So, although I looked at it kind of as an income stream, it really is to a certain extent a marketing tool. So, Beth, how about we start with you this
4: time? Oh my gosh, networking, 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 networking. Um, and, you know, I think there's a really important division that needs to be understood between. Networking, looking for business and networking, looking to make relationships and build build relationships and make connections. Um, I don't go into a room looking for my next client. I go into a room looking for somebody really cool that maybe knows my client or knows somebody who knows my next client who I can build a relationship with. Um, I think that's been our most powerful thing. And I'm such an extrovert that, you know put me in a room and I'll make friends with the bartender. I'll make friends with the door person. Like it doesn't matter.
0: You probably have an easier time doing it than I do.
4: Yeah, It's just, I've always been that way. It's just something that comes naturally to me. So I definitely, I, and I know that there's a lot of, a lot of education now around being an introvert and how to do networking. I know there's books. I know there's podcasts. Um, But, um, you know, it can be done. You don't have to be the extrovert that I am in order to make networking work for you. And it doesn't have to be that old school, like, walk into a room with 100 people wearing name tags and maybe break into, like, a little group of people. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. Right. You know, one of my strategies is at the end of every one-on-one call, I ask the person, who can I introduce you to? And
0: not who can you introduce me
4: to. Correct. Who can I introduce you to? Correct. And without a doubt, not only will they give me a name or two, which makes me feel good because then I can help them, then they're going to ask me that same question, at which point I can say, oh, I love CPAs and CFOs and, you know, da, 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 da. So I'm not, I'm not pushing myself, you know, they're, they're actually asking me.
0: So I learned something.
3: Okay. How about you, Lynn? Well, I was going to point out, Mary, didn't you do a podcast on networking for introverts?
0: Yes, I did. I did. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, I knew they were out there.
0: Right, I'll put a link to it uh, in the description for this event. Yeah.
3: Well, I watched that one um, because I am more introverted, but um, you know, again, my passion is education, and so I consider my marketing efforts, the blog posts that I write, uh, you know, they're on my website, of course, but it's also out there on LinkedIn. Um, you know, and like you, Beth, I've tried to um, make connections with people, introduce people. I've had people say to me, hey, Lynn, do you know of any job openings? And so then I'll say, hey, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so? And -and And I try to bring people together that way. And, you know, really it's about being helpful. You know, I just try to put myself out there, whether it is industry education or like the job connections thing that I just mentioned. if people see you as a resource, then, you know, you do get um, more potential clients coming your way because they know that you are you know, have good intentions that, you know, you follow up and, and you just, they get to know who you are. And I think then that makes them more comfortable considering, um, you know, using me as a as a source to pay for a webinar or in-person training or whatnot. So, you know, that's been huge. And then attending industry conferences, um, you know, I was doing quite a bit of that, well, pre-COVID anyway, um, you know, then it's it's slowly getting back to that. But just meeting people. And again, if you offer a tidbit of, of educational nuggets, I've had people say, hey, we really need to bring you in and you can do blah, blah, blah for us. So it, it's just, you know, putting yourself out there as more of a an expert, but without having to be in your face sales, which that's not my style either.
4: yeah. yeah. And don't a be a gatekeeper. gatekeeper of knowledge. That's like the big the big word these days, right? Gatekeeper? Like Gatekeeper of knowledge. If don't be that person. Give it out. Give it freely. Like well, people right. will remember and notice. Well, you know, and that's a good point because I was talking
3: to another consultant and I said, well, what's the right balance between handing out content for free versus, mm-hmm. you know, reserving it so they hire you to, um, you know, come in and, and do, uh, you know, X, Y, Z. And that person said to me, even if you put it all out there for free, they're not going to read it. They don't want to do the work. Um, it's kind of like what Marie had already said about helping you know organizations get things done. So it, it was, yeah, put out the content, put it out there, and then people will still come to you and, um, and pay you because they don't want to do it themselves.
4: And they're going to say, well, if she gives this away for free, what do I get for paid? Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Marie?
2: Yeah. Hi. So, yeah, I'm another... Uh, introvert trying to market my business and what i found is so again it's pre kind of pre-pandemic post-pandemic pre-pandemic i did a lot of networking in person i went to a lot of networking events and i found that some were great and i i'd keep going back and others were not that great and then i just you know don't waste your time if you go to a networking group and you don't feel like you really fit in and pre-pandemic there was one uh, capitol hill like a local um, neighborhood here in Seattle. And I would go to that and there was a monthly women's entrepreneurial group within this chamber of commerce. And they were just these wonderful women. And one of the women who was super successful and had been in business many years hired me. And then that gave me a lot of credibility with that group. And then somebody else hired me and somebody else. And so then after a while, I'm to the point where I get almost all of my work from referrals, which is, you know, it's, it's taken me years and years and years to get to that point. But if you just keep showing up and talking to people, when you can find those groups that you really
1: gel with, then people will hire you when they're ready. Ellie, what's your secret? Um, So coming from law enforcement, this is so funny, the whole um, law enforcement holds sources to, they don't share sources. And I had that mentality for quite some time. And I wouldn't give out my slides because I had seen my slides online and I'm like, I'm way past that. I give everything out for free. Um, you know, I even send my book to people for free uh, a lot of times. And, uh, so I'm also known as the Frog hashtag queen. So one of my favorite hashtags is sharing is caring. I just posted it this morning. You know, everyone has a secret sauce, but do we like, you know, <laughs> so, um, the other thing that I use for marketing is I have a podcast and, um, you know, it's taken a while to grow. I've been doing it for over two years now. It is my honor and my pleasure every time I get a guest on it. All my business comes from referral these days. Post COVID, all my business comes from referral. I turn business down. I sometimes I'm too expensive for people, and I'll give them someone else that I know might be starting out. But I've seen. Um, so my podcast. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, I kind of took the summer off, but I'm active on LinkedIn, I'm active on Twitter, and people reach out, hey, I saw you post this, can you connect me to them? And I'm happy to do it. So uh, maybe it's my age or something like that. I no longer hold my sources tight. Now, if someone has burned me from that, they're on my dead to me list. So
0: So So you have a hashtag that I use all the time, and I always give you credit. It says, uh, hashtag trust is not an internal control. Yes. I use
3: that too, Mary. <laughs> so
0: let me ask you this, since you mentioned it, which do you feel is more valuable on
1: LinkedIn or Twitter? Oh, LinkedIn. Twitter is just a cesspool right now. I hate it. It's. It, I, I can't give it up. But um, LinkedIn is I, someone that I follow very closely just finally has left Twitter and said they'll be posting over on LinkedIn solely.
3: Yeah. In fact, I stopped using it because I found it wasn't really doing. I don't know. I, I just didn't get a lot of value from it. And like you, Kelly, I focused more on LinkedIn. Yeah.
0: I think though I met Beth through Twitter.
4: I was going to say, the only thing I've ever gotten through that was my relationship with Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so it's, uh, I, I don't do it as much as I used to. I,
3: I don't know. I never really got it. And I guess I we should Twitter. be saying um X versus Twitter. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I loved it. I you loved it. Yeah, I did. And that's where I started my hashtags because I wanted to keep track of what I was posting. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's very sad for me. What has happened?
0: No disagreement. Okay, so um, just by the way, the bigger our audiences are, the more resources we can devote to talks just like this. So if you like this or any of our other 450 videos, please hit that subscribe button. And now um, let's start. uh, Let's start with Beth, because I'm interested to see uh, what she has to say on this. Did you encounter any unique challenges because you were female? What were they and how did you overcome them?
4: I mean, like, is that even a question? Like, of course, right? I mean, it's 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 sad but true, of course. Um, I remember one of my very, one, my first big client, I'll say, my first big client. Um, this particular client was um, a... Probably like mid 70s white man, maybe late 70s. So, you know, his generation was a little different. Um, and he was hiring my team. I de- I even did have a, a team then um to handle his nonprofits bookkeeping. And um all and and a lot of like the admin as well, and all the AP and all the everything. Um And it was like he couldn't understand that I wasn't his assistant, (laughs) I wasn't his secretary, I wasn't, you know, there for his his heart's content, like I was a fellow business owner running my own business with my own, like, and it was... It, it was unbelievable. I mean, I, I make the joke about, you know, the 1950s secretary or whatever, but
0: yeah.
4: my mom was an executive assistant in the 60s, and she told me all the stories, like, you know, that you see on Mad Men, you see on whatever, and, and you know, she she did live that life, um, and I wasn't about to, and, and it was the first client I ever fired, and it was so scary, but I wasn't... I wasn't down for that. And then I'm sorry, but I have to tell you this other story. I was on a networking meeting last week and they, you know, a lot of like the, the networking meetings, they have you do testimonials for like other, um, you know, other people in the group or whatever. And so someone was giving a, um, presentation on how to give a testimonial and also how to, you know, sort of sell yourself in a room of, you know, other people networking and everything. I almost jumped through that computer screen because they started talking about how, well, this particular group is very male heavy. So we as women need to learn how to speak to the men directly. We need to take out the emotion that we generally use. We need to um speak very directly. And we this and that, like this whole powerpoint with like what to say and what not to say and this was coming from another woman so i think to answer your question it's not just you know coming from men right it's Mm -hmm. generational it's maybe you know just cultural it's wherever they're at but yeah i'm not i'm sorry i'm not going to change the way that i speak that a stereotypical man will will understand
0: so i will tell you that i see it less now but of course, what I don't see is the business that I don't get because the person didn't come because I was a woman, not a, not a man. But the few times that I have encountered it in recent years, and it's been very few and far between, um, I walk away and I think to myself, I'm thinking about one instance in particular where I was getting ready to give this company free publicity. And, and the guy was uh, a sexist, let's so just leave it at that. And I thought, you know what? This is your law. Goodbye. And of course, when you
3: just walk away quietly like that, they don't
0: even know there was a loss, but that's okay. Um, I'm I'm done doing that. So what about you, Lynn? I can't imagine
3: this. You know, I've had the good fortune of even back early days of working, I've had women bosses. And I think that's, and then, you know, after working for the Federal Reserve Bank, um, then I worked for a professional association, you know, in the commercial payments field. And again, it was pretty much all women. Um, You know, maybe a man floated through there once in a great while. But, you know, I'm used to seeing women in leadership roles, whether or not other people have an issue with that. I've been fortunate not to come across that very often. Um, Most of the companies I have worked with, though, I have known. I mean, they've been um, connections that I've made um, or I've been introduced to them through someone I've known. So they're fortunate to have felt equalized or respected however I will say that I have noticed as I have aged in particular um, I'm remembering one um, training uh, engagement that I did face-to-face training and a lot of the attendees were young males and I really felt that they were dismissing me a little bit because whether it was female or age plus being female I mean they just seemed like oh you know why do we need to listen to this person but you know it was their company their bosses that hired me they were happy with my services so i just said oh well you know if a couple of these younger male attendees were not feeling it i can't make everybody happy uh you know
0: it's their loss
3: right right but mm. i mean i i noticed things um, uh, but you know I, I still have had more good experiences than any poor ones how about you marie do you ever run into this
2: Well, I'll I'll tell you, I've run into a lot of that garbage in other areas of my life, you know, throughout my life. But in in my particular business, I think it's actually a bit of an advantage to be female because people, my clients have told me that I'm easy to talk to, that they are comfortable opening up to me. And I really need people to be very honest with me. Mm -hmm. And as a, a woman, if we want to stereotype, I was raised to be very empathetic. You know, I was raised to to like you know, pay attention to what other people are feeling when you're talking to them. Be considerate. Try to make them feel comfortable. And I think all of that has really served me well in my business. And most of my clients are female. It's not, not an issue. I have a few male clients, and they're fine. They're wonderful. But like you say, you know, if you're not a fit, it's like Gudrun's don't want to. That, that's why every once
0: in a while, and it's real while when it does happen, it, it takes me back because I, it's like it'll have been so long since I encountered. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, you probably deal
1: with more men. Yeah. So I've always been in industries where it's male dominated. Don't ask me why. Um, I chose those, but I did. Um, one of my most favorite hashtags is hashtag never underestimate a woman. Okay. And now I've given her an avatar of never underestimate Gladys. Um, I have a well, colleague who uh, went to a business because she's a forensic accountant. And the guy's like, I'm getting ripped off. I don't know who. He's going around showing her who people, what responsibilities are. And he stops at his, and I'm going to say secretary because he was of that mindset. And he's like, Oh, don't look at her. She's too dumb to steal from me. Guess who stole? So, um, you know, uh, I deal with, I call them my masters of the universe. They're very successful. They're very smart. um, And when they realize that that, nice, cute little woman or older woman stole from them. They're like, how could that happen? Now there's a lot of reasons why, but that woman is smarter than you think. And actually this is a shout out to uh, Claudia Golden who just won a Nobel in economics and it's about the gender pay gap. And, um, you know, a lot of people say that like I'm picking on women, pink collar crime, it's position, not gender. Um, women are just better at it because they are in occupations where they have access to money. And Claudia Golden's work, I heard her on a podcast, it's all about occupational segregation. Ninety percent of bookkeepers in this country are women. The CFO doesn't even know how to do a journal entry. Like so um, don't underestimate Gladys, just don't do it. It's at your peril. So. I might need to
4: borrow Gladys for a little field trip to that networking event next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: never underestimate Gladys. And you know what's funny? It came from a podcast, Michael Lewis. Um, it was a woman and they gave her this avatar of Gladys. She's the one who sits in your basement with no windows, who you don't pay well, you don't treat well, and she can blow your business up in an instant. And mm-hmm. they found that woman. She's a billionaire now because they found her and they did uh, this Healthcare group did a, you know, business based on her amazing knowledge of Gladys in the basement.
0: So you, when you brought this up, you reminded me of something that happened. Um, you know, I did a, a podcast on pay transparency and, you know, some of the way the laws are changing that, uh, that in various states. And so I posted a little piece of it on LinkedIn and some guy who I don't know came back and he he was not happy with me um like I like I care and he written you know we went back and forth several times and the last posting put, he said I don't see why it's anyone's business if my company decides to pay me 25% more than anyone else in that perfect job why is that anyone's business and I wrote back and I said ah I said but you're assuming it's you that it's getting paid 25% more than me what if I was getting paid 25% more than you, and I was not as talented, my work wasn't as good, and I wasn't as educated, and I didn't have as much experience? No response. Crickets. <laughs> it never occurred to him that it could have been the other way. That that, that, that would only be true. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So um, I'm going to start with uh, Beth again. What advice would you have for others who want to emulate the success you
4: have had? Oh boy. Um, Yes, work hard. Yes, don't give up. Um, But don't ever lose your sense of self and who you are. Don't succumb to the middle-aged white man who wants you to be a secretary. Don't succumb to, um, if you are an introvert, be an introvert and own that, right? And don't listen to all the people that say, you need to go to all these networking events and just get out there and talk to people you need to be true to yourself. If you are in the accounting field, it doesn't mean that you have to have a blue and red website. And it doesn't need to look like every man's accounting website. Um, The people that you will attract to you are like to yourself. So if you are being true to who you are, and putting that on display, and being just okay with that, being comfortable with that, then you're going to attract in kind.
3: Okay. Lynn? Well, I think, you know, that's great advice, Beth, because I was thinking, be sincere. You know, I mean, I just, I, I try to be, and Mary knows this, a very honest, if someone wants me to do something that is not exactly, you know, in my wheelhouse, but yet, yet, I have tried to be, you know, open-minded to that. So it's one thing, you know, have a plan. I mean, I'm all about being prepared and having a plan, but also being flexible to, you know, expand a little bit and, you know, don't, what what did I hear one time that um, something about, you know, if there's a a job posting, women will only apply if they can meet like 99% of Mm. what's in that posting where Mm. men will see, oh, I can meet most of it, 50% and they'll apply, Mm. you know? So I've tried to remember that to say, okay, nope, it might not be in my, you know, core, but yet I can learn it or I can do it or I can be just as effective because I know I'll work hard and, and, and make it right. Uh, you know so again, don't close yourself off. be open to you know new um, new experiences. And then we've already mentioned it's great if you do have a mentor and Mary, I've appreciated um, over the years a lot because yeah. she's the one usually saying, well, you can do this <laughs> and you I'm do going you, do <laughs> you know so just um, yeah, be prepared, but be open too. That's my advice. <laughs> Marie?
2: Yeah, I, it's, uh, I think very similar to what Lynn and Beth have said is that, yeah, talk to a lot of people, learn as much as you can, always be learning and always be yourself. So know who you are and be yourself. And like you said, Beth, I mean, you're gonna attract the people who are gonna want to be with somebody like you, right? So I'm very down to earth. I do a lot of kayaking and hiking and I dress very casually. And if somebody wants to hire somebody in a suit, they should hire somebody else because there's hire a, somebody <laughs> in a suit. But so if I, you know, if my marketing if I present myself very authentically, then I will be attracting those people that I'm most going to want to work with and they're going to want to work
1: with me. Good.
2: And how about you, Kelly?
1: Um, I have a couple of things, but one of the things is I mentor and teach a lot of young professionals. And um, my one thing I tell them is always have, and I'll say it politely, a walkaway fund. And I used to say it something differently because at some point in your career, you will either step in it or you will be asked to do something that you know is wrong. And if you don't have that mentality, it's really hard to come back from that. It is really, really hard to come back from that. Um, so uh, I just, I can't say that enough to people, to, especially starting their careers. I have never been asked to cross the line. I had a coworker who was asked consistently to cross the line because she, my boss knew she would cross the line. Um, so you need to be strong enough in your conviction to have a line. And um, I think everyone has, uh, you know, a price, Um And you need to know what your price is. And I think that that is the most important thing you can do if you want to emulate quote, my career is, um, you, you got, you have to have your own code. Um, and you have to be willing to walk away in my twenties. I didn't have money to walk away, but my boss thought I did. And so didn't mess with me. Um, you, you, you've got to have your own code. You just do. Yep. That's very good
0: advice for anybody, whether they want to start their own business, whatever. Okay. Well, it's possible that you, while you admire greatly what these women have managed to accomplish utilizing their skills, knowledge, and ability, you're not about sure if you could do the same. But that doesn't mean there are not other opportunities for you outside of the narrow, traditional path you've been following. We did a short talk recently on some of the other opportunities that might have come up for some of our accounting, finance, and accounts payable professionals. You can watch that right now using the link that has appeared on your YouTube screen and is in the description. As always, I appreciate not only my guests who shared their knowledge so willingly, but also your likes, shares, comments, and subscribes.